You may be seated. Let's take God's word together again and turn to Exodus 33. And if you remember, we were looking, we've been looking at this portion of God's word, the life of Moses. And we've been watching, following this journey through the text of God's word. And the last time we visited the nation of Israel, if you remember, Moses had come down off of the mountain and found all of God's people worshiping a golden calf. And I believe that this is really the lowest point of Israel's history. A total departure from the living God, a forsaking of their God, making a golden calf, declaring it to be their new God and worshiping it. Really, they were worshiping themselves. Now, I wonder... How does one recover from such a fall? How is it that we can ever recover from such a fall? Maybe this morning you have recently had a similar fall. And you're wondering within yourself, how do I ever recover? How do I get back to where I was or even beyond that? How can I ever recover from such a fall? I wonder, have you, ever, have you ever been there before? Have you ever been to the place where you've fallen so far, so bad, that there just didn't appear any hope? Have you ever sinned so grievously that you didn't even know where to begin? You didn't even know how to start getting back on track. And that's exactly where we find Israel today. And I want to speak to you this morning about finding the way back to God. Can I just say there is a way back? There is a way back to God. And just because you're walking with God today doesn't mean that this message isn't for you. There's something in this text for each one of us this morning. And I believe that God has led us here intentionally. I want you to notice, first of all, with me, please, uh, really looking together, uh, the first three verses of Exodus 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, depart and go up hence. Okay, so how do we ever recover from such a fall? How do we get back on track? Here's your first thing, a few wonderful observations and truths in these three verses. Here's your first thing, depart. I don't know where you are spiritually today. I don't know what you've done or what you are doing even, but here's a good place to start. Depart. Leave where you are now. I don't mean get up out of your chair and go out of the tent, but leave where you are in your fallen condition. Leave that behind because you cannot get to where you need to be if you do not leave where you are. Run from sin. Flee from it. The children of Israel could never get back to where they needed to be with God as long as they were still looking at a golden calf. And you cannot be restored to God as long as you're still looking into your sin day after day. Over and over we find the exhortation to flee. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee fornication. 1 Corinthians 10, 14, flee from idolatry. 2 Timothy 6, verse 11, flee youthful lusts. 
1 Timothy 6, 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Leave it far behind. But there's a second part of that. Depart and go up. Part of departing, leaving behind your sin and your present fallen state, part of that is going up. You are down and you need to get up. And part of leaving behind all that has made you forsake your God or caused you to forsake your God is getting up and going up. You've spent too much time going down. It's time to go up. You say, where is up? Well, the Bible says go up. God gives the instruction. Go up into the land which I have swear unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, unto thy seed will I give it. Go up into the promised land. Up to the things that I have promised. Up to where we've been called. We sometimes sing the hymn, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. We need to go up. Philippians chapter 3. We've, we've uh, mentioned this passage in the weeks that have gone by. And verse number 13 and 14, Paul writes, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're thinking this morning, but how can I go up after all I've done? How can I? Let me encourage you this morning that even when God faces this people who have forsaken him for a golden calf they made with their own earrings, even then God still stood true to his word. And can I encourage you? I, I don't know what you've done and where you've been, but God's promises do not change. You might change. You might change your mind. You might stumble and fall. But his words are forever true. He has not moved. Perhaps you have, but he hasn't. The promised land is still there. The promises of his word are still there. The assurances of his presence are still there. How comforting to know that the promised land is still there. He gives another little comfort. We'll, we'll visit this in a moment. But he says in verse 2, I will send an angel before thee. And drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. I will send an angel, a messenger to guide us, someone to guide us, someone to drive out the enemies, to give us protection, someone to bring us to the land flowing with milk and honey. And you might say, wow, what a marvelous God. After all we've done wrong, after all of our grievous sins, still, he allows us to travel onto the promised land. Still, he sends us a guide, an angel from heaven. How amazing. But, look at verse 4. When the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned. What? I thought this was good news. We still, we still get to go to the promised land and, and God's going to send us an angel. That's marvelous. How could this possibly be bad news, evil news? I'll tell you why. Because something was missing. Promises were still true. They were still his people. On their way to the promised land, 
He was going to send an angel to guide them and protect them, but something was missing. What was missing? It's found in verse number three. For I will not go up in the midst of thee. I'm going to let you continue on to the promised land. I'm going to send an angel, a representative of me, to lead and guide you. But I myself will no longer travel with you. And the people were grieved. They mourned. Now, in many ways, this is a test. Because for some people, they were just happy to hear that they were still going to the promised land. For some people, they were just relieved that God hadn't struck their name out of the book, as it were. For some people, they were just content. Hey, well, at least we still get a go. And at least we still get a bit of protection. But for some, this was the most disturbing news that they'd ever heard. Because it was his presence, the presence of the living God that led them out of Egypt. It was the presence of God that every single day up until this point had been with them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Every time their eye looked, there was God. Every day, every trial, there wasn't a moment when the presence of God wasn't with them. And all of a sudden now God says, because of what you've done, I myself will no longer travel with you. Is gone. The presence of God gone. Didn't mean that God didn't love them any longer. No, no, he still loved them, obviously. He was still going to carry them all the way to the promised land. He was still going to send an angel to lead them and guide them and protect them. But he himself would no longer be with them. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you'd done something, you'd sinned so grievously as a child of God that you've grieved the Spirit of God so much that you can't hear Him anymore. You can't see God moving in your life anymore. You can't see His hand where at once before you knew God was with you. He was guiding you, speaking to you through His Word. And now you go to meetings like this and you hear the preacher and it's just like Charlie Brown's mother talking. And you hear no distinct word from God at all. You pick up his word, and, and no matter how much you read it or how many hours you read it, you just can't seem to hear God's voice. Have you ever been there before? I've been there. Let me encourage you. He's not gone. He is not gone. Especially as a New Testament believer, we are assured of the presence of the living God because his spirit dwells within his children. Never to leave us nor forsake us. But perhaps the pillar of cloud and fire are gone. Although he may still be there, perhaps the manifest sign of his presence is gone. Perhaps you no longer can see it or feel it like you once have before. Like the royal standard that waves over Buckingham Palace when the queen is there residing. That says the queen is there. When the flag goes down, it says she's no longer there. Perhaps the flag seems to be missing. Perhaps you feel today that the royal standard of God's presence is gone from your life. I wonder, you don't have to raise your hand, but I wonder, would you look this way? I wonder if I'm talking to you. Maybe you feel that the presence of God just doesn't seem to be there. What will you do? 
there were two kinds of people in Israel that day. There were those who were content to press on, happy enough that they were still going to the promised land, happy enough that they had a messenger. And there'll be those here today who, hey, you know what? I don't feel like I used to feel. And, it's, you know, I don't know the presence of God like I used to. But, hey, at least I'm still, still saved. And at least, I, hey, I'm still going to church. I'm still listening to the messengers of God, right? And for some people, that'll be enough. But for others, when they lose the sense of God's intimacy and presence, they cannot go any further. They cannot continue like they are. And everything must cease and everything must stop until they find themselves again standing next to that cloudy pillar, that fiery pillar. I want to talk this morning. I want to look at the ones that sought the Lord. That's the difference. You find in our text that when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned and no man did put on them his ornaments. And then you find in verse number seven, Moses took the tabernacle. By the way, this is before the tabernacle had been instructed to be built. This is Moses' own tent. Pitched it without the camp, outside of the camp, or far off from the camp. And called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation. Everyone that sought the Lord. There are two kinds of people in this tent, in this tabernacle today. Two kinds of people. Those who are seeking the blessings of God and those who are seeking God himself. There are only two kinds of people beneath this tent today. Those who just want to get a handout from God. Oh God, please help me. I'm in a mess. And those who want God himself whether they ever get a blessing, whether they ever get a handout or not, they just want God. Which one are you? Which one are you? The Bible says everyone that sought God, they were characterized by a few different things. I believe they were characterized in verse number four with true repentance. If you've ever sinned grievously against God as a child of God and you know what it is for the presence of God to depart you from you and you feel and you sense as if God is forsaken, if you've ever been there before, there's only one thing that will begin the process of you walking with God like you once did and that is true, genuine repentance. The Bible says, upon hearing this news, they mourned. They were grieved. Can I just say to you as, as gently as I can, there's something terribly wrong with you if it doesn't bother you that you don't sense the Lord's presence anymore. There's something wrong. It ought to grieve you. It ought to grieve you when you read God's word and you don't really get anything. It ought to grieve you when you pray and you feel like your prayers don't go any higher than the top of the tent. It ought to grieve you to feel distant from the Lord. It ought to put a burden and a pressing upon your heart where you feel uncomfortable and it's the most grievous thing to you. Jesus told us in that famous Sermon on the Mount, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now that comes directly after the first of the Beatitudes that says blessed are the poor in spirit, those who know how, how they have nothing to offer God. They know they've done wrong. They know they've sinned against God and they're therefore empty and destitute and they mourn over their sin they're grieved by their sin you say well i've not done anything too terrible just being away from god ought to grieve you 
And there's a promise, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The first step to a way back to God is true repentance. True grief over your, over your separation from God. They were grieved by their sin. They were grieved over the absence of God. And then look what else it says. They mourned and no man did put on him his ornaments. What's that? Well, you read on in verse 5, The Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments. Jewelry, fancy things. You know what they did? They said, let's get rid of all the distractions. Let's get rid of all the fluff. Let's get rid of all the nonsense. Let's get rid of all the things that have gripped my heart and mind for so long, whether it be the iPhone, television, internet, whatever it may need to be. Let's get rid of all the distractions so that I can find my way back to God. Can I tell you, you will never enjoy the presence of God again until you get this serious about it. Oh, I'd love to hear God's voice. We read about great men of God, David Brainerd, who, who, who know, knew that God was leading. He spent hours in prayer. You read about men like Whitfield and Wesley and others who knew the presence of God leading and guiding. George Mueller. Oh, I'd love to be like that. Would you? Are you grieved every time you grieve the Spirit of God? Does your sin weigh heavy on your heart and mind? Are you willing to put aside the ornaments of your life? You know what an ornament is? It's decoration. No substance. Are you prepared to put aside anything in your life that is of no substance to you at all? That is simply decoration. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to be done with all the distractions? It's time to get serious. There's something else they did. They repented. They put away their ornaments, their decorations and distractions. They got serious. There's something else that's very interesting to me. The Bible says in verse 7, Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it outside the camp. Here was all God's people camped together. And Moses said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to put the tabernacle in my tent out here, and this is where all those who are seeking God will meet God. Do you know what he did? He made the people make a choice whether they would be willing to separate from the vast majority and be identified with God or whether they were content to go along with the flow. If you are interested in finding the presence of God again, it will take some, some sort of separation. Come out from among them and be holy, for I am holy, said the Lord. The tent was set up outside the camp, afar off from the camp. They called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone, only those who sought the Lord, went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without or outside the camp. Now, can I ask you this morning, would you look this way? Are you willing? Are you willing to count the cost to step out by faith, even if you're the only one that leaves the camp 
By the way, these were, this camp was a camp of people who were all the children of God. It wasn't like they were being separate from the world. That's important. I hope you learned that a long time ago. They left the world. They left Egypt a long time ago. Now it was a further holiness, a further separation. I'm not happy to be a Christian by name only. I'm not happy to go to church on Sunday only. I'm not happy to dress up and say the right things when I meet people in church, shake their hand, hug them, say, God bless you. No, no, no. It's going to be real. It's got to be real. Can I tell you, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but if it isn't real, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. You might as well stay in the camp with the rest of everybody else. I'm sure that you will or we will unless there's some conviction in your heart that says this is not enough. Going to church one hour a week Opening the Bible, when the preacher says open the Bible, that's not enough. I'm going to go outside of the camp. And you can call me a holy roller if you want to, Bible basher, whatever, whatever you want to say, I'm going out. And this is the generation, this is the time for God's people to stand up, get out of the camp. Because that's exactly where Jesus is. Can I just tell you, Jesus is not in the camp. He's not in with the vast majority of professing believers. Just because a church has a, the, the title Christian church above the doors of their building doesn't mean the Lord Jesus is there. Doesn't mean he's present. Bible says when this happened in verse number nine, it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended. You know what happened? The presence of God returned. It was back. They had sinned grievously and didn't know how to get back to God. They repented of their sins. They put aside their distractions. They got serious with God. They left the comfortable Christianity or comfortable Israelite you could say, mentality, they left that. And the presence of God returned. Now, can I tell you, that, that, that didn't take three or four, six months. It didn't take several weeks. I don't know how long it took, but it was very quick. There's a, there's a misunderstanding, I believe it's a deception. There's a misunderstanding that's propagated that says, well, you've got to be sorry for a very, very long time. I want to see that you're serious about your repentance, and then maybe God will come back to you. I, I, I'm not the judge over that. Who do I think I am that I can tell you when God will come back to you? No, you repent of your sins. You put aside, get serious with God, leave behind the nominal Christianity, and you watch and see. The Lord will return. He will return. The Bible says when, when the people of Israel saw that cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. Now, there's something beautiful about this. Moses was in the tabernacle, but the people who were seeking God rose up in their tent door and worshipped. There was an element of fear, and rightfully so. There is an element that said, oh, we have sinned so grievously against God. We're not worthy to go near to God. And they stayed in their tent door, but nonetheless, they were caused to worship. But let me encourage you. We, we're not looking at Moses. Moses, praise the Lord, was a great man. But we look to one greater than Moses. In fact, the entire book of Hebrews was written to prove that there's somebody greater than Moses, greater than the angels, 
And that someone is none other than Jesus Christ himself. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, a beautiful portion of scripture, if you'd like to turn there with me, uh, the scriptures say in verse 12, wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without or outside the gate, outside the camp. And so the next verse says, let us go forth therefore unto him without or outside the camp bearing his reproach. If Jesus is there, that's where I want to be. You say, but that's, everybody else is in the camp and in the city. Uh, it's safer there and more comfortable. Everybody else is doing that. No, no. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I want to be wherever Jesus is. And if I've got to go out, I'm going. And I hope you are also. And the marvelous thing is we don't have to stand at a distance now. We don't have to stand and, and watch as Moses goes into the presence of God and God meets with Moses. No, because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, because of his glorious resurrection and ascension, and because he sent the spirit of the living God to dwell within us, we now can walk into the presence of God at any moment. It's a marvelous truth that is mind-boggling to me. And Satan would love to blind you to this fact. Would you look here? Satan would love to blind you to this. He would love for you to think that you are so rotten, so wicked, that you could never, ever come back to God. That's a lie. That's a lie. You come home. You come home. But you've got to be serious. You've got to be repentant. You've got to be willing to lay aside all the silliness of this world. and got to be willing to live a separated life. And you can be sure you're welcome. The only way to get to him is that way. You can come. You can come freely. Some of you might be here this morning and you might be thinking, I, I've never known the presence of God. I've never experienced what it is to know that God is with me. Then can I tell you, it begins with Jesus Christ. You must be born again. You will never know the presence of God apart from Christ. Jesus said this, look, I, I'm the one who knows the Father. He tells us this in Matthew chapter 11, a beautiful portion of scripture. We sometimes focus on those verses that speak about, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. But before that, he speaks about how he has this wonderful, uh, he has this wonderful privilege of revealing the Father to whom, whoever he wants. He says, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knows, knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. You want to know the presence of God? It's only through Christ. You can't bypass Jesus Christ to get there. Jesus himself said it. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save or except the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come, therefore, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you today, you just need to come home. You need to come back. You've lost the presence of the Lord somehow, somewhere along the way. Perhaps you feel as if there's, there's no hope. There is hope. Christian, do not ever settle for anything less than the presence of God. 
Never settle for anything less. Don't settle for a preacher because you enjoy his style. Don't settle for a church because you like the way they do things. Set, never settle for anything less than the presence of God. There's a reason there's so many denominations today because everybody is set on their own personal preferences. You can have your preferences. I want the Savior. Follow Christ. Seek after the presence of God. This is that personal holiness that is missing today in Christianity. I wonder, which camp are you in? Are you in that camp of those who are happy just to be on your way to heaven and happy that God is still leading you through another man or another, another sort of a way? Is that you or are you the one that says, that's not enough? I want to hear his voice myself. I want to know his presence myself. Uh, I want to see his glory myself. And next week we'll look. There was another man, Moses, who wouldn't settle for less. It's marvelous. You look at that text in verse number 11. Marvelous. The Bible says this. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. As a man speaketh unto his friend. Now, some people get caught up and say, well, hold on, I thought nobody could see God. This is a, fig a figure of speech. Uh, an old Hebrew figure of speech. It's the idea. Is, it's say, I spoke to him like a man speaks to someone face to face. Didn't see the face of God, but he, God hid nothing from him. That's intimacy. And the Lord spake unto Moses, face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend and he turned again into the camp but a servant Joshua the son of Nun a young man departed not out of the tabernacle now I want two thoughts here number one it is possible for us to be so close to the Lord that you can have that kind of a relationship that's not reserved for people just like Moses Perhaps it was in those days, but now because of Christ's finished work on the cross and the indwelling of God's Spirit, you and I can speak with the Lord and He can speak with us face to face. That's not for giants that we read about in Christian history. It's for those who would settle for nothing less. That's the reason we refer to them as giants of the faith, because they would not settle. And I'm, I'm desiring, and I, I, wouldn't it be amazing if the Lord would raise up such desire from this congregation that some men and women here would say I will not settle for anything less and we begin to see the likes of such a desire in Joshua now this is just the early glimpses now, I'm not going to spend long on this but here's a man that was privileged just to go alongside behind Moses no authority, no power, no role, no responsibility. At this point in time, he was just there. And the Bible says Moses left, but his servant, Joshua, his servant, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Here's a young man who said, I want what he's got. I don't know what he's got and how he got it, but I'm going to stay right here until I get it. And I'm telling you, we could do with more men and women who had such tenacity and urgency and desire in their heart that they would say, I want that for myself. And I'll stay in the tabernacle. I'll stay underneath this tent 40 days and 40 nights if I need to. I'm not leaving until I get it. Elisha had the same desire, didn't he? Desired a double portion of what Elijah had, and he got it. Do you know why so many of us 
have so little is because our desire is so weak. We almost get embarrassed sometimes to even ask. We almost feel like we sh we're not allowed to. What's wrong with us? Do you think God no longer wants to use humanity? This is, it's God's ordained method that he would put his hand on men and women and use men and women for his glory. That's his ordained method. The only reason we're not seeing it like we've seen it in the past is because nobody wants it. What about you? Do you? And everyone which sought the Lord went out. It's interesting. There is the wider camp of the people of God. There were those who left that camp to go out. And even amongst those people, there was another one who left that little camp and stayed in the tabernacle where last the presence of God was. How serious will you get? Let's bow our heads together. Father, we pray that thy spirit may put something within us this morning that isn't there. A hunger and a thirst and a desire for thee. For thy presence, Lord. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so longeth my soul, so panteth my soul after thee. Father, may there be in this congregation some thirsty souls. Some souls that would say, I am not going to stay in this nominal, nominal, comfortable, sorry excuse for Christianity. May there be some today by thy spirit who will leave, be set apart. May there be some of those who will say, I am not leaving the tabernacle. I'm not leaving the place where the presence of God was last felt and known and seen until I experience it myself. Put within us something, Lord, some desire that would say it's not enough for somebody else to know thee. It's not enough for somebody else to experience thee, but I must know thee myself. I pray for others today who are asleep. These words have meant nothing to them and not stirred them, not challenged them. Spiritually sick and asleep. Have mercy, Lord. Awaken them. Help them to see. Perhaps they don't even see, don't even recognize that the presence of the living God has departed from them. Help them, Lord. Speak to each one of us. Guide each one of us according to thy will. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his